0: It's go time.
1: Free agency is going to be top of mind across the CFL as we come into February and look at the players that are available to each team. Could be some interesting signings prior to, could be some interesting signings once free agency is away in earnest. Hi, everybody. Don Charbon along with Heath Graham and Pat Mooney. Welcome to Quick Kicks. A lot of teams that are looking to satisfy need could be running back, could be receiver, could be O-line, take your pick. A couple of those teams, though, that are doing some work ahead of time to shore up their lineup before the players hit free agency, the Red Blacks are doing a big job. I've been very impressed with
0: the Red Blacks bringing back their core of players that they want to maintain with this team moving forward. In the past, we saw them last year go fairly heavy into free agency. And this year, it looks like they're making a concerted effort to bring back the core of their players. And then they've added players like offensive lineman Drew Desjardins, making him the highest paid offensive lineman this next year. But again, a key piece potentially for their offense.
2: That one certainly opened some eyes across the league. Drew Desjardins had some success with the Blue Bombers and had won a couple of great cups. Tested the water south of the border and ended up on some practice rosters. Not a lot of playing time on the active roster and has chosen to come back north of the border. Being a Canadian offensive lineman certainly helps his bottom line a little bit. But a $250,000 contract for this year and $260,000 for next year, making him the highest paid offensive lineman in the league currently.
1: It does show a lot of faith in what he can do for the Red Blacks. You don't often see that with an interior lineman. But having said that, he does have some pedigree coming with him, although he still has to really get out there and prove it on the field. And this is what the Red Blacks are taking that chance with. If you look at their overall signings, they've got Devontae Dedman who's back. They've got Jeremiah Mazzoli back after that hellacious injury that he took last year in Regina. He seems to be fully recovered. A lot of the pieces that they needed, uh, Money Hunter, for instance, that are making their mark last year that needed to develop, and if the Red Blacks keep everybody together, who knows, that team could be a team to be reckoned with.
2: Nate Bahar is another name on that Red Blacks roster that stands out coming back, and another Canadian Uh, receiver in this case and he had an excellent second half of the season I thought last year a little bit of a low a little bit of a slow start out of the gate but he really picked it up and a very vocal leader on that team as well you know he was very outspoken when Jeremiah Mazzoli was injured and that kind of leadership is going to go a long way for them we're in that window now with two weeks left before free agency where I think every team is really evaluating who they've got under contract, and those last probably three or four players on their roster that aren't signed yet, and what it's going to take to get those those key members back into the fold.
1: If you haven't got an idea of who you want on your roster, you're in trouble long before free agency starts. The bigger notion I want to get to is teams are more or less set, but they were hoping that if player X or Y would test free agency, that maybe that would be an upgrade. And so we'll hold out until then. Now that player X or Y, let's say it's Money Hunter, for instance, okay, we're not going to bother going down that lane anymore. We're, we're satisfied with the people we've got.
0: In, in some cases, that's also going to be financial. We're sitting where, and this player wants a raise of X amount. Is it possible for us to bring either a, a player who we know is in our fold right now into that starting position or else go after a different free agent who may not command the same amount of money to free up some cap space for
1: other players. It's rare that a free agent comes in cheaper. Although they can
2: overweight things as well. Sometimes you get a, uh, somebody that wants to test that free agent market and has a price in their mind that they think they're worth. And it's it becomes a waiting game. And if teams aren't willing to come up to that level and they want to play in this upcoming season. They've got to make some sacrifices there. It happens from time to time. It
0: does, and you often see, and we have seen it again this year, players tweeting that they're being disrespected by not being given what they believe they're worth, and so therefore they're going to test the free agency. In some cases, we see that those players do sign. One that we saw this last week was Derek Dennis with the Stampeders. He tweeted out some things about respect and then ended up signing back with the Stampeders.
2: At the other end of that is Eugene Lewis and the Montreal Alouettes appear to be down the road of, of separation at this point. And Gino has been very vocal about the lack of respect he feels he's getting from the Alouettes at this point. And we saw some big splashes for receivers last season. Kenny Lawler got a big pay upgrade. At this point, if you start evaluating those two guys, who would you rather have on your team and what are the fundamentals that they bring to you, is, Eugene Lewis worth a big pay bump coming up for the next season.
1: Dekeel Williams, let's put him into that mix where he made over 200000 He's a question mark in terms of whether the riders want to invest in him a second time. Another name that could go out in free agency. Now he does come with a little bit of baggage, to be fair, and that may sour some teams on him. Eugene Lewis is probably the best receiver that's available. Given his body of work, given the fact that he stays healthy, That's the one knock against Kenny Lawler. Although he had two great seasons prior to going to Edmonton, he did not play that much. Now, it's not necessarily his fault that it worked out that way, but I think that might make some teams question because the biggest part of your value to a team is often your availability to play.
0: And in a case like Geno Lewis, he's, he's had outstanding seasons And he's watched receivers like Lawler sign big contracts, Dekeel Williams sign a big contract, and he maybe wasn't making the same amount. So when he's meeting with Montreal, he's figuring perhaps they should be giving him some money in recognition of his body of work, hoping that he'll continue to do that. And I don't think teams are always willing to do that.
2: There are some big-name receivers. This is going to be one of the most interesting positions to watch in free agency, I believe, that we've already mentioned Williams, Lawler, and Lewis. We've got Nick Dembski. We've got Curly Gittens Jr. We've got a couple of guys. Kyron Moore from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Shaq Evans look like they're going elsewhere as well. There's some some receivers that are going to be in play big time in this free agent window.
1: My question about the Alouettes, where are they going to spend the money? If Lewis isn't there, Harris looks like he's ready to walk. Who are you spending your money on? What other player, quarterback, for instance, are you going to sign that is going to chew up your cap space? I don't understand what they're waiting for. Do you think some of this
0: could be the ownership group that is a little bit unstable at this level and maybe putting some pressure on Machocha? Uh, you certainly hear that from the players. They, they're they talking about how it's a little unstable and maybe it's an opportunity to look at a, a more stable organization at this point in time to play for.
1: The uh, the Alouettes, in terms of the salary cap, this is not going to make or break them their ownership situation, and their ownership situation right now is stable. The future is what is going to be decided at some point, but for the time being, the Alouettes are stable, so there's nothing to worry about in terms of paychecks. It's a question of where they are allocating that salary cap.
0: Yeah, I I wasn't alluding to the paychecks because absolutely they're in a situation where players who go there are going to get paid. It's just what direction is that organization going in and that, that instability or unknown makes them much like the Saskatchewan rough riders with their front office and coach on the line. So I think some players may move away from that. If you're looking to stay in an organization for a period of time, not knowing the ownership group and where they're headed and what their philosophy is going to be might hamper some of the players in in terms of their willingness to sign with that organization?
2: It's amazing the situation we're in where you've got Montreal and Saskatchewan as two destinations that a lot of players are going to turn away from. If you'd asked me that five years ago, there's no way I would have thought those two organizations would be in this kind of turmoil that we're seeing now. It really looked like Trevor Harris was going down the path of re-signing with Montreal. Danny Machocha was certainly a fan of his in the starting quarterback situation in the 2022 season, the indication we're getting from Harris now is he is definitely looking elsewhere. And if he goes, and as you mentioned, Eugene Lewis goes, what kind of message does that send to anybody else potentially looking at the Alouettes as a landing spot?
1: question is who becomes their starting quarterback. Do they stay in house? Do you go to your neg list, your negotiation list, and hopefully bring someone along from that it's, if you get where I'm going with this, if you don't sign Harris, what are you doing? He, it, he already knows the offense. He already has succeeded with the team. I'm not his biggest fan, but I do respect the fact that he did well with the Alouettes. And that would be your logical choice. Unless they don't, and this may be the really overriding concern, it's not money, it's length of contract. With Harris turning 37 this spring, Do the Alouettes want to invest in him for two or three more years?
0: I'm not sure any team would invest in three. I think at best he's going to look at uh, one year with an option. Yeah, it's it's tough when you've got a player that has been successful like him, but is getting to the end of their career.
2: I'm wondering if a Montreal Alouettes jersey is going Nick Arbuckle's way, which will push him over the peak of the Kevin Glenn line, and on the downward slide of getting to all nine CFL franchises. He's a name that's out there right now. He has had some starts and some success in the CFL, but hasn't found his landing spot yet. He's likely going to come at a reduced price compared to Trevor Harris. That is one possibility.
0: Cody Fajardo is another one that they could take a look at at uh, that reduced price. I'm not
1: sure that that's in the direction they would want to go, but it's a possibility. The Rough Riders, despite what Craig Dickinson says about they know what they are doing, they have a plan. Their plan seems to be based on the idea that they hope someone is available for them to pick up. Well, that's not much of a plan. If the Riders don't find anyone, Mason Fine is... And he would be the guy they have to go with. As I go back to my original point, if the Alouettes are trying to save money, you don't do it through your quarterback. You do it somewhere else. You try to make sure that that key position is always in your stable. If they lose out on Harris, which this could be posturing. Remember last year that they released Harris, Harris took a chance on himself, Harris re-signed with the Alouettes. This could be the same scenario playing out.
0: Absolutely, and that's
1: what makes this free
0: agent period so fun is is that the possibilities are out there, the players are posturing, the teams are posturing, and everyone's waiting to find out where they land and what kind of value that they'll command.
1: It's interesting, too, like the Toronto Argonauts, the defending Grey Cup champions, they have signaled quite clearly that they're not going to go into the free agent market. That means that they've got to go after the people in their ranks that are becoming available and get them signed. Winton McManus, for instance, who unfortunately missed a back part of the season because of injury, but he is a stout defensive player. You want him back. You've got Ja'Garrett Davis as another. Uh, we've already talked about Curly Gittins Jr. on the offensive side. Uh, would Because he's from Ottawa, would Gittins think about playing for the Red Blacks?
0: I think that always comes into consideration for players. They grow up watching their home team, and, and there's an opportunity to go home. Particularly, the family is still there. But at the end of the day, money does talk as well. And the idea of belonging to an organization that's moving somewhere, I think could bring Curly Gittens back into the fold in Toronto if he's going to be back in the CFL. There are
2: some pieces with the Argonauts that can free up some some money for you as well. We don't know the future of Andrew Harris at this point, whether he is looking for another contract or if he is going to walk away. There's talk of McLeod Bethel-Thompson potentially retiring as well. He is coming back from a, a surgery, from an injury suffered in the Grey Cup. So that gives players like Chad Kelly and A.J. Ouellette a chance to step up and fill those shoes, likely at a reduced price. So that might free up some more money to throw Curly Gittin's way, to Garrett Davis's way to shore up those guys as well.
1: Hamilton, for their explosive signing of Bo Levi Mitchell, still have a lot of people on the defensive side of the ball that they haven't picked up. Tim White, receiver, he's another one that's highly sought. Why don't you get him? I mean, who's Bo going to throw the ball to? That is a team that I think has left a lot of their big names out
0: there at this point. I, I mean, you look across with the Ticats, you have Julian Hauser, an outstanding defensive lineman. Uh, you've also got Santos Knox. You've got a number of players in that defense that are key players that I would assume they're going to bring back. There may be a few. They're going to move on because of age or because of the the, the amount of money they're going to command. But, if they're going to win now, they need to bring a few of those veterans back and they have yet to do that. They are also sitting
2: currently with Dane Evans still under contract. That one is a a key piece and probably one of the next dominoes to fall. We saw how big it was for them to sign Bo Levi Mitchell. There's some teams looking for quarterbacks. There might be some possible trade scenarios coming up with Dane Evans. If not, can they afford to waited out with him under contract. I don't believe they can. They're going to have to either trade him or release him to free up some of that that cap space. So it's a interesting situation to watch there in Hamilton.
1: Matthew Schiltz of course is still there, but he is another one that could go down the FA route. Do you want to keep him as your backup over Evans because of the dollar value attached to his contract? Evans at 450 With him and Mitchell's contract, that's one-fifth of your entire budget for the team in terms of salary. You can't have that. There's no way. If you're Hamilton Tiger Cats and if you're Dane Evans, you know the seas have parted and you're both moving in opposite directions. Who among the other teams has not only the desire but the wherewithal to make a significant trade? If you're the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and you have to trade to get Dane Evans, who off that roster does Hamilton want?
0: In some cases, it could be Canadian draft picks because Hamilton's getting to a point with free agency coming within two weeks where they've got to move him or cut him and not get anything. So the longer this goes on, the less they're going to be able to command from other teams in return for his rights.
1: If you want Dane Evans, then you're going to have to spend somehow, some way, either by eating his contract, renegotiating, but you're still going to have to give up something to get him. The Ticats are not going to let him slip away with nothing unless there is just no appetite to, to eat that contract by any other team, and the Ticats just literally have to cut him. We saw that with the Saskatchewan Roughriders. A.C. Leonard, the day before he's due his bonus – gets cut, and within hours, he's signed by the Edmonton Elks. He was one of the better defensive players that the Riders had, and yet now he's wearing green and gold.
2: If Dane is going to be getting that $450,000, $500,000 starter's money coming his way, you need to free up some of that cash flow. We're already seeing some big-name receivers likely not coming back as well. So as I mentioned, the Riders are in some influx right now as well. Montreal and and Saskatchewan need to find their direction. It seems like every other team has kind of figured out who they are, what direction they want to go.
0: And if neither team is going to take a look seriously at trading for Dane Evans, could this be a situation much like we saw with Harris last year, where he's out on the market for so long that no one really picks him up? That value is not something they're willing to pay. And to trade someone away that is a starter on your team to get someone that you maybe can't even afford to pay at that or don't want to pay that amount of money. It's not necessarily doable. They can play a waiting game with Hamilton. So Hamilton's got to decide where that trigger point is and probably allow some of the teams the opportunity to talk to Dane Evans as well and renegotiate a contract before a trade is made.
1: I think it it is important for any team that wants to trade for Dane Evans to have some communication with his people to know whether or not he is going to budge on that salary. I, I'm with you, Pat. I don't think that there is an appetite to swallow 450000 with a guy that, yes, took the Thai Cats to one Grey Cup, but really is coming off a season that he'd like to forget. If he's going to be your starter, you might incentivize it a little bit. Base salary a little bit lower, but put some layers onto it where he can make more money if he performs. And that may be more palatable for the team.
0: Absolutely. And I, th- I would put Cody Fajardo in that same situation where he's not going to command that upper salary that taking the next step because he didn't perform this year. He had a, a great year back in 2019 with McAdoo at the helm, but since then he has underperformed. So he may be in that situation as well of having to take a little less than what he may feel he was worth and look for incentives for performance based on play.
1: What if you're the BC Lions, does Cody Fajardo make sense to you as a backup to Vernon Adams Jr.?
0: Can can you afford to put him on too? Is he going to try to command over 250, 300? Like how much money do you want to put into a backup? You might see that happen more so in a case where, you know, there there there's options. I think I'm not sure Fajardo is going to be able to command that starting wage if if he's in a backup role.
2: We're in a really interesting situation with these quarterbacks that we've been naming tonight, where Trevor Harris and Cody Fajardo especially have been proven starters in this league, but might not be getting starter roles coming up. Dane Evans has had opportunities as a starter. Nick Arbuckle has had some opportunities as a starter, but are you ready Are you ready to anoint either one of those as your number one option either? It's, it's really tough at this point to really determine that any of those guys are going to be starting on week one of the season.
1: The Lions have Michael O'Connor in their stable and they may or may not want to keep him. And that gives, I think more of an opportunity for Cody Fajardo to go back to a team for whom he had played once before. The Rough Riders are so coy about what they're, thinking is with Fajardo they keep talking like they're having these constant negotiations with him and he's fully apprised of what's happening but I don't understand what to what end is this entire dialogue why why bother if you bench the guy for the last two games of the regular season when you absolutely had to win to make the playoffs what are you trying to now send as a message to him that says well we're good with you and we're comfortable with you just hang tight for a minute." To me, he's
0: a safety valve, but if is he willing to sit as a safety valve? I don't know that I would in his situation.
2: A couple of other interesting notes with the Riders. They were in on bidding for Drew Desjarlais as well and got outbid by the Ottawa, Ottawa Red Blacks. We know the offensive line struggled in Saskatchewan this past season and is somewhere that they are hoping to show up. So it's a bit of a blow to them to be outbid and miss out on DeJarlie. Boat Levi Mitchell didn't outright mention the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but he did talk a bit about how he was going down the road to free agency, but some teams didn't make moves that he saw in a positive light. And I wonder if that's a little bit of the coaching situation with Saskatchewan and that lack of direction that we spoke to earlier.
1: There isn't a lot in terms of offensive line that's left available to be tabbed, which means you've got two choices. You either draft and hope, or you really coach up the guys that are there right now and make them into a more solid unit. Again, Saskatchewan last year blazed trails with the number of sacks that they allowed, partly because of a quarterback who got gun-shy and started ducking every time he saw somebody coming toward him instead of releasing the football.
2: Michael Couture with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Joel Figueroa of the BC Lions are two of the name offensive linemen that are still available in free agency. I would be quite surprised if either of those two leave their current teams. I suspect that both of them will resign, but that's something that the Rough Riders may be holding out hope for. We'll test that free agency window and they can throw some money out and hopefully outbid other teams for those guys.
0: And, and that puts them in a difficult situation as well if they want to bring in a $450,000 quarterback. You've got to decide where are you putting your money. And going back to your point on perhaps it is time for some of these teams to look at younger quarterbacks and put some money into the line if you can. The problem with the CFL free agency at this point is teams have been resigning offensive linemen. They are extremely important to the league. You see a lot more linebackers and defensive linemen still out to be signed. They can move around a little bit. You've got opportunities to bring some other players in that can perform at that high level fairly quickly. Canadian offensive line, particular, seem to need a year or two to to develop a little bit more where we see the teams pull the American tackles and hope that they can start right away.
2: The continuity of those offensive lines goes a long way as well. And we saw the BC Lions O-line with Michael Riley at the helm struggle quite a bit but they kept at it. They had some guys with, with talent and with potential, and they built themselves into a very good offensive line in 2022. Winnipeg, as we mentioned, has several all-star offensive linemen as well that have been together now for several seasons. They move a piece in and out as Dejarle left other players, stepped in to fill that void, but you've got some some stability with that line as well, and
1: Now, we talk about new talent. The XFL is starting within a couple weeks. The USFL is starting within a few weeks. That's a lot of humanity that is now tied up in two other football leagues. Chris Jones, when he was interviewed by Dave Naylor in their little fireside chat on TSN, alluded to the fact that they're going to have to start looking at Division II and A1A players that are out there and available. And this is something that I think the CFL has been a little bit remiss about. A lot of great football players in the States come out of the smaller schools. There have been a multitude of athletes that have come through that route that have performed very well. Most famous of them all was Jerry Rice.
0: And I think the teams have done some of that recruiting. Like I think back to some of the players that you, uh, Ryan Smith coming out of North Dakota, you also had Weston Dressler coming out of smaller programs like that. And, And even the NFL is now taking a look at some of the smaller programs and you'll see a quarterback like Carson Wentz come out of a program that has some success. So I think they're starting to get in there, but I think a lot of those players aren't invited to other camps. Those are the ones that they're having to go out and bring to their zone camps. And those players come and put some money down to have the opportunity to be looked at. And I think you need to bring more of those players to camp, give them the opportunity, and you'll see some succeed and become stars in
1: the league. Part of the problem is, and we've talked about this a lot, is recognition. They're never on television. They're not on ESPN. They're not on any of the networks in Canada. So nobody knows about them coming out of school. And yet these are the guys that are playing because they want to play. They, they love the game, and that's why they're out there. And this is the type of athlete that you want in the Canadian Football League. You can make a nice living playing in the Canadian Football League. You're never going to make the money that you make in the NFL, especially as a starter. You can h- live comfortably with your contracts in the CFL. And those are the type of people I think the CFL needs to market to. This is
2: where that scouting department of your team comes in very handy and shows their value. To be successful as a CFL franchise, you need to have somebody that is up to speed on Canadian talent and how to, to scout that and develop it. You also need somebody who is savvy with the U.S. college system, has a network of coaches that they are familiar with, have relationships with, that they can call up to some of those smaller schools and say, hey, this is what we're looking for. What's Who should be on our radar? Who should we have more of a look at? You need those connections with the agents so you can view tape and get the highlights of these guys as well. So scouting in the CFL is becoming more and more important. As you say, these other leagues are starting to funnel off some of that, that big school talent.
1: It's going to be a fascinating few weeks as we head toward and then go through the process of free agency. Jameer Thurman Anytime he's on the field with the Stampeders, they win. Where does he go? Does he go anywhere? These types of questions have to be answered. It's kind of a a few weeks of dread if you're the players because you don't know what's happening. You don't know necessarily where you're going to wind up. And it's excitement at the same time. New opportunities. Thinking back to Frank Clare of the Ottawa Rough Riders when he had that team. On average, there were two players that turned over in a given year. Two. What did the Ottawa Rough Riders do in the 1960s? They won three Grey Cups. You've got some of the stars staying, and you can keep cores of players together. You
0: have that recognition of these are our guys. They've been with us for some time. And whether the team's successful or not, if, if you had them for five years and they weren't successful and finally get to a successful team, those are the guys you want to be able to say, hey, this guy's stuck with our team. He's part of us, and now he's getting the success that he deserves. The other side is if you if you get quick success, that's great too because then they become instantaneous names that fans recognize.
1: Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean and can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Third Down Gamble. Join us again. The Third Down Gamble podcast, audio worth watching.
0: 3rd Down Gamble uses the expert resources provided by Canadian Football League Player and Game Statistics, for analytics, game notes, and statistics, and 3downnation.com for news, insight, and in-depth analysis. Please visit cfl.ca and 3downnation.com for the most up-to-date information on the Canadian Football League.